We had uh, the most terrible bushfires in Australia in Victoria a few years ago. And the head of the emergency services was a woman who at the absolute height of the bushfires, 150 people had been burned to death and killed. Hundreds of thousands of hectares had burned down. And in the middle of the crisis, she went and had lunch and got her hair done at the hairdressers. And everyone judged her. Everyone judged her because they looked at the gesture and they knew what it meant, right? And of course, everyone's a psychologist. Everyone's a counsellor. I looked at that and I saw a person under such trauma and such distress that they were falling apart. All the experts, you know, looked at her and crucified her of being not caring and crucified her for, for being uh, indifferent to the suffering of others. But a skilled psychologist and a skilled counsellor, particularly in social psychology, would look at that behaviour and think, this is the evidence of trauma. Hello and welcome to another episode of Embracing Differences with me, Nipin Anand. This podcast series is dedicated to understanding different perspectives about risk and safety. And that is precisely the reason we call it Embracing Differences. Because the idea is not to claim that any one method, any one discipline, any one approach is better than the other, but to appreciate different viewpoints and appreciate the idea of transdisciplinary knowledge. And that is why we have a mix of academic researchers from different backgrounds and industry practitioners from different industries at different levels in the organization. And again, the idea is embracing differences. The podcast is available on all all the, 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 the most famous, if you like, um, uh, podcast channels like Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, Google, and so on. Now, my name is Nipin and I'm the host of this podcast, but I'm also the founder of Novellus. And at Novellus, our work is mainly dedicated to understanding and improving organizational culture using language. Now, we don't like to use the word safety culture. We prefer the use, to use the term organizational culture because it is a more holistic approach to understanding culture. Today's podcast is about understanding the role of gestures in risk management. If you recall, the last episode was about understanding rituals in risk management. And when I spoke to the guest, Dr. Robert Long, who's based in Australia and also the CEO of the company Human Dimensions, he was of the view that we should give people the other side of the coin this time. So once you understand rituals, it is also important for you to understand gestures because rituals and gestures, as he says, is more or less the same thing. They are the two sides of the same coin. And what you will realize in today's podcast is that how important it is to understand gestures if we want to understand how people make decisions, particularly from their unconscious mind. What you can expect in today's podcast is a detailed discussion on the on the idea of gestures in risk management. And then once we are done with this, the next episode will be trying to put rituals and gestures into a personal story. 
and that should come out in the next week or so, if everything goes as planned. I hope you enjoyed this discussion between me and Dr. Robert Long. So we had a, a interesting session last week, Rob, where we yep. talked about the idea of rituals and risk management. And I yep. think uh, I, I put it out there on, on the podcast, Embracing Differences, and it has been, uh, I think a lot of people appreciated uh, the way you explained uh, rituals. Uh, and I think there was a there's a very tangible, practical connection there. And yep. I think that went really well. So we promised that the next uh, podcast we do will be on the gestures. So yes. before we start uh, the, talking about the tool, Rob, would you help me or us, the, the listeners, understand what is the meaning of gestures? Uh, yeah, well, uh, um, you really can't talk about ritual gesture and symbol um, separately. You, you, you can't do, it, it simply cannot be done. You might try to, but they're inseparable. They're, they're the flip side of the same coin. They're the, they're, they're the intermeshing of the same thing. So ritual and gesture belong together and um, symbol and myth belong together. And you cannot separate ritual, gesture, symbol and myth. Neither can you devalue them as a dramatic performance because uh, all of that language I just used in is critical to understanding uh, human enactment and uh, everything we do, everything we do, uh, every gesture we have is a physical enactment which becomes a metaphor and metaphor is also another thing that cannot be separated from ritual, gesture, symbol, myth, performance, dramatic, it, it, none of these things can be separated. They're also intertwined. And the big, I was reading on the weekend uh, um, uh, uh, from a very, uh, uh, I, I guess, one of the earliest uh, researchers and scholars on, on rituality. And in his book, he was saying how um, modern science or modern uh, society has disposed of the idea of ritual and gesture in a kind of arrogance that has shelved ritual to some ancient uh, religious concept. And so we don't have to know about ritual anymore because we've dismissed that as something that was done a thousand years ago in some irrelevant religious process. Um, and the, the book, uh, it's by Peter McLaren, does an amazing job of showing just how ignorant we've become by dismissing um, the power and a broad understanding of ritual. And um, he's absolutely right. Um, we we, we uh, have now become numbed to uh, the symbolic performance of metaphor, enacted metaphor, you know. So I can, I can use the word, oh, uh, you know, pray, for example. Um, you know, oh, I, uh, I, I, I said a little prayer, you know, which is 
you know, a, a title of a song and we'll accept it in a song, but we won't accept prayer as a metaphor. And we must turn that word prayer into a religious notion of ritual, not a notion of prayer, which is non-religious. And, you know, I, it's like, it's like, um, uh, it's like we talk, say, about a praying mantis. Do you have that insect, a praying mantis? A praying mantis is, is a, is a little insect that captures other insects and eats them. I don't know if you have them in Australia, but but the gesture from a praying mantis is not the closed hands like you can see on the screen, you know, that the hands against each other, which is which is the classic gesture for bowing in Cambodia or Southeast Asia. That's not praying hands. You don't, that's not about praying. If you're in if you're in Cambodia and you put that in front of your mouth. That and you and you bow. That's not a prayer. That is an act of humility. That's an act of grace. It's 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 a way of holding your hands together as an act of peace. So when you put your hands together, so so you know, and unless you understand how all these things are interconnected, you'll never understand culture. And so gesture for me is is a uh, it can be a visual verbal. Um, but it's mostly unconscious enactment of an emotion and a feeling. So, so that would be my definition of a gesture. Um, but, but that, unfortunately, by such a, a tight definition, we actually contain it. And gesture cannot be contained. Gesture is a wicked problem. And for those who study linguistics with me, you will know that gesture is a para linguistic dimension of linguistics it is a verbal visual symbolic mode of linguistics that doesn't involve text it's such a such a good point you make rob um and i think one of the things uh, about if you want to be a trustworthy leader then your body language as we call it should be congruent with your language as you speak yes. and yes. that is and people can intuitively see whether you can be trusted or not if yes. you if that is the power of gesture now there's one question i wanted to ask rob hmm. do you see much difference between body language and gesture oh yes 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 okay. yes can you please explain think, that yeah well i think the trouble is is again you know poor old poor old engineering and science have this psychosis with measurement right this is a uh, and, and, and of course, it's in the risk and safety industry, this psychosis with measurement. And, and what developed out of the body language movement in the 1960s and 70s was this quest to interpret mathematically or in an engineering sense and try to capture what meaning was contained within body language. And so, you know, books were published, oh, this means this and this means this, you know, when a person folds their arms, it means that when a person's hands on the head, it means this and so on. It was again, a huge effort to try and quantify theatrical performance, dramatic, dramatic performance. One of the first things you weren't learn when you study semiotics with me is that symbols cannot be measured. Symbols cannot be measured. 
symbols are governed by a hermeneutic. And that hermeneutic, that theory of interpretation, is governed by culture, context, history, and, and so on. It's governed by many, many things. So the, the body language movement tried to kind of move away from the mystery of gesture and the cultural anchoring of gesture uh, to symbol and then tried to quantify it and kind of make it known. And it was a wonderful pathway for Alan Pease and his wife to sell millions of books and to do lots of training in body language. And then we've got all these pe people running around trying to predict emotions and feelings based upon whether you waved your hand or whether you put it in your ear or whatever you did with your finger, you know. Isn't that wonderful? Um, so what you're saying is that the fundamental difference between a gesture and body language is this quest for science and scientism and, and yes. this inability to live with mystery, which is integral yes. to understanding gesture. Yes, integral. Yes, absolutely. And, okay. And, and, and that's why I chose the symbol of the hands on, on the front, because depending on what country you're in and what culture you're in, that's the only way to attribute meaning to that gesture. And so uh, there, are, there are many meanings to that, to that symbolic uh, enactment of two hands together. And What's... that's why I chose that, to get away from this idea of, oh, well, anyone who puts their hands together must be praying. No. No. If that's okay. That, that, that's a demonstration of your arrogance that you think you can name the behavior of someone else according to your interpretation of culture. Well, the earlier anthropologists did exactly that by calling the other people uh, savage and... and, and oh, and... the missionaries, the Christian, the Christian missionaries, Nippon. Yes. My uh... God. Talk about arrogance from the Christian missionaries, you know, just, and it still goes on today. We've still of got, course it does. Yeah, we've still yeah. got, you know. So in a way, got... in a way, Rob, what you're saying is that a gesture should have at least, ha or has at least two components to it. One is that it has the power to prevail. It has prevailed for so long. That means it yep. must mean something, and it's significant yep. to a particular group, right? So uh, it, it it means something to a particular group, and you as an outsider cannot just go and and try and make sense of it in your own way. You have Correct. to look at it from the perspective of from the stories of the people who actually yes. enact it. Yeah, correct. correct. And in fact, and in fact, unless you're in that culture, you will enact it wrongly. So even when, and I've been in to many, many countries and I've tried to learn their gestures and I can never get the nuances right. And I prove, in fact, it's, it's, it's funny when, I was in the Philippines uh, and have, had learned some of their gestures and they giggle and laugh at me because just, just like we, we laugh, we laugh at Englishmen. We laugh at Indians when they come to Australia because they can't get it right, no matter how much they try. And so we, we have a gesture in Australia. It's really simple. It, it, it's g'day, mate. How you going? Right. It's, it's, it, it is so Australian. G'day, mate. How you going? You can't say that. No. You can you can try, 
you can give the utterance, which is the gesture, that's a verbal gesture, but you won't get it right. No. So, so, so Rob, how, how, do, we, how do we help be, educate people to, to recognize, uh, to understand gestures? I know you have a, have a beautiful semiotic here. Would you like us to, to walk us through that? Uh, yes, you mean uh, uh, through the card, through the yes. tool? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, last time we talked about ritual and gesture, the, the word ritual was in red. And when you turn the card over, the word gestures in red. So um, that 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 in itself is symbolic, by the way. If I just if I just uh, if I just expand that card, I'll just I'll just show it again. So let me just stop sharing and go to the other one, so you can see it. This is the card itself, and so it's the flip side of the same thing. And it's very, very important that it is the flip side of the same thing, that ritual and gesture are, are the flip side of the same coin. And it's critical because you can't have one without the other. So when we look at the, I'll, I'll block out the ritual one for the moment. Sure. And I'll just go back to the other one so we can, so we can talk about just it. So here's, here's the gesture one. Um, and so um, the other thing that's important about gesture is that all gesture precedes text. All gesture precedes language. Paralinguistics and gesture precedes any form of talking and any form of text. And it doesn't matter what, what language or culture you're in. So, for example, um, uh, the metaphor suck, to suck, yep, we, we get that within uh, 30 seconds of birth. So you're born and you suck. That word, suck, will only be learned five years later where there will be correspondence between the gesture and then we'll learn the word suck as correspondence to that. And then seven years later, we will learn that it's a metaphor, you suck. Excellent. And so, and so understanding linguistics is foundational to understanding semiotics, symbolism, ritual gesture, risk, and so on. So there's one, suck, right? Within 30 seconds of being born, we have the word hold, which of course has the same pattern. So we learn the gesture hold. Five years later, we learn the text that is the correspondence to that gesture. Then seven years later, we will learn that it's a metaphor and you've been caught in a holdup. And so, and so a little infant, before they can speak a word, before the age of 18 months to two years, has at least, has at least 500 communicative gestures in their arsenal of paralinguistic language before they can speak mama and dada. And it's 
it's from correspondence between gesture and text that we learn language. Language is not learned like the behaviorists tell us. Noam Chomsky smashed that to bits in the 70s. Language is not learned behaviorally, it's learned gesturally. And gesture then becomes unconscious symbolism because it's so deeply held that even as I wave my hand like this with my thumb, I don't know I'm doing it. You touched your chin. You don't know you're doing it. You're grimacing your face. You don't know you're doing it. You're blinking your eyes. You don't know you're doing it. Gesture is the sign of the unconscious at work. Your emotional and your feeling self comes out in gesture, which others see, but you can't. You don't see. And so gesture is, is you know, gesture is foundational to paralinguistics, foundational to learning. In one sense, what you're saying is, you know, it goes back to the idea of one brain, three minds, Rob. Is Critical. that yeah, absolutely. So in a way, what you're saying is the unconscious mind learns much, much before the conscious mind starts to rationalize oh, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so so let's start with just some basic elements of understanding. So the first question is what part of the body expresses the gesture? And yeah. I don't care if it's an eyebrow or, you know, if I shrug my shoulders, yeah. But even in my culture, you've got to be very, very careful with what shrugging shoulders means because to an indigenous person, it means the opposite of what we think it means and so on. So even in mixed cultures with indigenous or multicultural settings, what part of the body you use to express what you think you're saying mm -hmm is an assumption based upon your cultural um, background and your early unconscious experiences, it's not necessarily something you can assume as some sort of expert in body language. So we start by talking about what part of the body expresses and then what accessories and linguistics are used. We, we could have, I, I run a four-day course on linguistics, we could have a long talk about that, but it, linguistics or paralinguistics are critical to understanding gestures. So just think of how much we can do with our finger, just one finger. Here's, here I am, I'm pointing. Now, I can think of at least 20 meanings for this, 20. And that's just within my culture. That's just within Australian culture. If I jump, you know, over to the Pacific and I go to, you know, somewhere like Samoa or I go to, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, here's my finger, Nippon. What does this mean? No, to me. No, was that? It To me, it means you're saying no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was once on a train in Russia and I had that given to me, and uh, it it means you're about to be arrested. Wow. You're, you're, oh yeah, yeah. It was a yeah, yeah. It was interesting experience. I asked the Russian behind me, "Is did it just mean no?" And she said, "No, no. It leads. It means a lot more than no over here." 
Okay, so what accessories and linguistics are used is very, very important. Um, what does the gesture communicate? Now, here we go again. How many people talk about hermeneutics, the theory of interpretation? When you know that gestures can say different things to different people in different times through different places, how dare you be so arrogant to think that you can name what that means without having cultural knowledge? How remarkable. But that's, that's what happens. Somehow we all jump to a conclusion, you know, because someone salutes, right? So here we go. We salute. What does the salute mean? Uh, it's a, well, I'll t I have a story on this because um, I sailed with a Polish chief engineer once. Yep. Who would do this? A double salute. And I yep. could never understand what that meant. And I was arrogant not to even ask him. So that remains a mystery till today. Yep. And in Australia, we go like this. We don't salute like that. I think English do that too, don't they? Yes, yes. yes. But Americans salute like this, yeah? And Australians salute like that. So an American would look at this and think, if you've got a headache, what's wrong with your head? <clears throat> yep. And so, and so <clears throat> this idea of how is the gesture culturally anchored is absolutely critical. <clears throat> and uh, it should teach you humility. It should teach you mutuality. It should teach you critical thinking. It should teach you how to reflect. So what we should do <clears throat> is rather than make assumptions and try to be some scientist, because you see, I can salute in sarcasm. I can salute sarcastically in Australia, you know, and virtually say, well, up yours. Yep. <clears throat> And, and so, you know, this is, this is where we move away from science. Now, of course, a lot of people don't like this because people who like to think they know all about knowledge <clears throat> that, that they know, you know, so typical scientific knowledge, mathematical knowledge, engineering knowledge, they like to think, oh, here's the bucket of knowledge sit the exam and you can pass the exam. Well, you can't do that with ritual and gesture. It no. can't be measured and it can't be known unless you are a part and enculturated within that subculture or culture. It can't be known. And even then yes. it can't be enacted. So, so this is why the question is, how is the gesture culturally anchored? You know, so even raised hands, you know, what does that mean? I've got both my hands up. What does that mean, Nippon? Oh, stop. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or it means I've got nothing in my hands. Don't shoot me. It can mean so many things. Indeed. And so one of the great liberating things about the social psychology of risk is we move away from maths. We move away from, we, we move away from engineering. We move away from measurement and we start embracing a form of knowledge, which is powerful, poetic, dramatic, theatrical, symbolic, and unconscious. And we start to live. 
Okay, so what does the gesture symbolize? What is the power and energy of the gesture vital? What is the rhythm and pattern of the gesture? Is the gesture performed unconsciously? Well, that, yeah, yeah, because why did I put that in? I mean, we know it is, but I have to ask it for everyone who thinks that gestures are conscious. If you don't know one brain, three minds, and you think, oh, yes, we, we have all these things consciously. No, you don't. Nearly every facial gesture we express is emotionally unconscious. And yet, and yet no one talks about it. Well, this is where you go to another country and try and imitate their gesture consciously and they will catch you. They will yeah, that's know right. you're faking it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and then two last questions. What is it socially and culturally significant? So you, you need to know because there are some gestures that don't, that don't have as great an importance and others that do. And so um, in my culture, you certainly men don't hug and kiss each other on the cheek as an act of affection. And yet when I went to Europe, um, I had to really, really battle that cultural block in Australia because it was so significant for, for Greek people to, to do that, that, that I was being offensive by not doing it. And it's only when you realize the significance of that uh, in that culture. Um, uh, similarly, when I uh, when you go to other, other other cultures and realize the social significance of other things. So I, I spent uh, uh, six or seven weeks in in Finland once, and uh, you know there are oh, there are so many uh, gestures which are peculiar just to Finns that even the Swedes and the Norwegians who live right beside them don't understand them, you know? Wow. Isn't that powerful? Uh, oh, yeah. And then finally, what political energy is anchored to the gesture? Again, very, very important because we underestimate ethics and politics and all, 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 polit all politics and all ethics have ritual and gestural uh, 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 enactments. So that's a quick run through of the card. Excellent, Rob. And I think just to, to bring it all together, what I learned through this in the last 30 minutes or so is that if you understand the power of ritual and gesture in particular from what we spoke today, yeah. you will be able to and become a little bit more open-minded about the idea that all gesture is symbolic, which means that it only means something to someone in a particular context. And you yeah. shouldn't try to read too much into it because you are scientific uh, oh, yeah, yeah. In, in your in your thoughts. And I think yeah. what, what you're trying to say is that the, imagine the the how much you can draw from 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 your observations about the outside world. If oh, you and, and how much how how much more risk intelligent you become because you yeah. come to understand the power of the unconscious mind, which is the origin yeah. of all decision making, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Oh look, I, 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 it's going to take a minute to tell the story, but but it makes me think of Captain Shinedo because because you know Schettino, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name again? Uh, Captain Francisco Schettino, yes. So Schettino makes me think of that. But we we had. Uh, the most terrible bushfires in Australia in Victoria a few years ago. And the head of the emergency services was a woman 
who at the absolute height of the bushfires, 150 people had been burned to death and killed. Hundreds of thousands of hectares had burned down. And in the middle of the crisis, she went and had lunch and got her hair done at the hairdressers. And everyone judged her. Everyone judged her because they looked at the gesture and they knew what it meant, right? And of course, everyone's a psychologist. Everyone's a counsellor. I looked at that and I saw a person under such trauma and such distress that they were falling apart. All the experts, you know, looked at her and crucified her of being not caring and crucified her for, for being uh, indifferent to the suffering of others. But a skilled psychologist and a skilled counsellor, particularly in social psychology, would look at that behaviour and think, this is the evidence of trauma. And wow. here is the problem of the engineer who tries to play body language and yet at no time in their existence have they spent any time at all studying ritual, gesture, symbol, and, and all of the things connected to it. And then when you, you know, when I look at the, uh, the uh, investigation of the Costa Concordia and I, I started reading through it, I'm reading all these phenomenal assumptions about the captain's behavior. Oh, and here it is. He's, he's an engineer. Oh, surprise, surprise. The engineer interpreted the captain's behavior to be this. What would an engineer know about gesture? Be serious. Nothing. Nothing. Very sad, yes. Oh, oh but happy to cast judgment. Happy to cast judgment because they know, you know, they're, they're the professors of measurement. And so they crucified that captain on the basis of ignorance. They did not know what that behavior indicated. So interesting, isn't it? And and, and uh, so much emphasis on, on this uh, uh, Descartian kind of uh, uh, yeah, Newtonian methods yep. and tools. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and 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 claim to to understand human behavior. That's so yes. paradoxical, isn't it? Yes, this doesn't make any sense. Rob, this is great. By the way, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to tell you another story that I started about the, yep. the Costa Concordia. Yeah, one woman could not come to terms with the idea that the captain was not looking straight into the camera. He was looking on one side, and oh. she said, "She said this is an arrogant man who does not know." Yeah. Oh, he, he does not even have the courage to face the camera. And I had to tell her that there were two cameras in the room and we purposely chose the other one because it had a better resolution. So you can see the, the, the symbolic understanding of gesture is completely yep. misunderstood. Yes, yes. All in, in, in search to end, you know, all uh, in an attempt to, to just curb your, your, your anxiety, to keep it in yes. control. Yes, yes, yes. In Australia, an indigenous person if they are humble, they look at the ground when they talk to you. And white people interpret that as arrogance. And so then they punish the Aboriginal, the Indigenous person for being arrogant when it's the opposite. I can't tell you how many times people have been offended in Singapore because I looked into their eyes. Yes, 
Yes. Yes. People in people in position of power and authority, they just don't they expect you to look down as you speak to them. Yes, correct. Yep. Great. Rob, this has given me so much to think about. Wow. What did you think of the discussion? How did you think it went? Any questions? Any thoughts? Any feedback? I always love to hear that. Anything that you disagree with, because that's the only way we can learn and grow and understand where our biases are. Because I and Dr. Robert Long might think that we have given you sufficient information on gestures. And sometimes people ask questions where you start to realize maybe our own understanding is lacking somewhere. So it's only through dialogue, discussion and feedback that we get to understand where our biases are. Um, and also, if you are interested to learn more about gestures uh, or read more about gestures, please feel free to contact me. I will definitely point you to the right literature. You can find me on my website, which is novellas.solutions. You can also email us at support at novellas.solutions. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And before you go, I just want to make an announcement that we have um, a workshop coming up in London. It's called Social Psychology of Risk. Uh, it's a two-day session. The first day is on Social Psychology of Risk. The second day is on IQ Engagement. And this is on the 23rd and 24th of February. So if you are in this part of the world, do join us if you can. I think we have very limited seats remaining now. Uh, also, for those of you who are not from the UK and would like to learn more about um, our work in social psychology of risk and IQ engagement, there's two things you can do. You can join us on our weekly uh, taster sessions where we get together with a small group of people and help them understand what IQ engagement is all about, what social psychology of risk is all about. And then we have a coaching series online starting in the middle of January which is a nine-week session on IQ as well as social psychology of risk. So where we meet for an hour every week and we help you understand the power of listening and observing using very intuitive and practical methods and tools. Uh, details about both the London workshop as well as the online coaching session is available on our website novellas.solutions events. Great. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I look forward to seeing you again. Have a good evening or good day. Bye-bye.